everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Kitchen Gods podcast. This is episode 31. I am Michelle Dahl, and this is Ken Herskovitz. Hello. Ken, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. A little snowstorm this week. Just a little. How much did you get in Brooklyn? 16 inches. Really? Okay, cool. People in our backyard um, leave their you have furniture people that out. live in your backyard? Yeah. That's so cool. You know, it's, they left a chair out so we could measure it up there but across the street from me there's this private school with a massive gymnasium and it's a sloped roof and mm. there have been like avalanches coming off of this all week right in front of me as I'm, I'm working on the podcast it's been really funny that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah. people crushed and I, <laughs> but uh yeah we had we had a drift of like um like like 32 inches Wow. Um, but just where where it was flat, we were about, drifted out. Yeah, it was about twenty inches though. That was that's that's what we got as a as a natural snowfall. So that was um certainly the most in I would say eight or nine years at least. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. We did some sledding and, and whatnot. Yeah, the kids the kids enjoyed it. My treehouse didn't collapse, which was clutch. So <laughs> good. And GameStop, did you get any sweet, sweet GameStop? You know, I didn't. You're not I, a big Reddit um, no, stock follower. No, I mean, I fo- I think the story crazy. It's so crazy that it's hard to form an opinion on it for me. Yeah, it seems like to have any opinion on it, you need to be on one side or the other. It's kind of hard to walk down the middle, and I'm kind of down the middle. They follow. They followed the the redditors followed practices that Wall Street follows. It's it's. Yeah, we don't like it. That's what we do. That's the thing. But at the same time, it's like okay, I under I understand it from the other side too. Tough to say. Again. You know, it's kind of funny too. Another stock that has been going up, which like GameStop has not gone up in years and years and years is tobacco. Yeah, I saw that. Is that, what's the take on that? Is that an art, another artificial thing or is that, uh, is that happening? No, that's real. That's totally real. So, and, and I can even vouch for it. I was at the bodega the other day and the three people in front of me, each one of them was buying rolling papers or American spirits all over the place now. And I think it's, it's COVID and the stress of it. And yeah, it's the same reason that you smoke when you're in the military, I I guess. guess, There's there's a lot of waiting around and a lot of stress. And I I guess, I guess it makes sense. But sales are up. Wow. Kind of a, kind of a bummer. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about tobacco. Oh, okay. Delicious. So delicious. (laughs) We just wa- uh, finished rewatching Band of Brothers too. Ever watched that? A long time ago. Yeah, I, I, it's oh, it's one I feel like I need to rewatch now. And it, yeah, it's a good time to rewatch it. They're smoking the entire time. Everything. It's, it's yeah, really brought this whole topic home for me. It has a very interesting American history. It's indigenous mm-hmm. to North America. Um, tobacco actually, is not not Band of Brothers. Right, tobacco. Yeah, just well, sure. <laughs> I guess Band of Brothers <laughs> is too, but. Just, yeah. you know, just just tying it all together for the audience here. Good. But truly American, not fake British like right. Band of Brothers. Half of those guys are. Uh, so yeah, it's indigenous. It actually comes not far from where we got our chili peppers okay. last time in Central America, mm-hmm. Oaxaca area, and then spread out from from there. Like everything else, when explorers discovered it here, they exploited it. Sure. And as we know it, it's has it's habit forming. So right. once trade started, there's no risk of it like dying out. It was not about to stop. It was mostly smoked in pipes back then. Native Americans would use it. Uh, they would carry it in a pouch. It, so you were using it for trade mm-hmm. all the time. They always had it with them. It was used in a lot of ceremonies and even for medicinal uses. So to be clear, smoking is bad for you. Please. Nicotine is anti-inflammatory though, which can sort of help some things or make you feel like it's helping some things, but it's not 
in any stretch of the imagine worth the damage yes. that's doing right. to you. Just in, 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 the, in the same way that hitting your left hand when your right hand is injured to get your mind off, it works. <laughs> yes. But it looks so cool. It does. It does. Both do. Yeah. Yeah. Even this non or even this organic non GMO sun cured tobacco from the 1500s. Artisan still, tobacco. Yeah. Artisan tobacco. Small batch. There were four main plants that made it to Europe during the Columbian Exchange. So the Columbian Exchange is when Christopher Columbus came over and brought some very important things back to Spain with him. Uh, we already talked about one of them, corn, mm-hmm. maize. Mm. Last week, the other three were tomatoes, potatoes, and then there's tobacco. Okay. So we brought these four things. And can you just imagine those the revolution that those four things caused? Right. In... Just those four things alone. They're still among the highest commodities traded. Mm-hmm. Europe already had some experience smoking hemp seeds. So, uh, but tobacco. <laughs> Period. Go ahead. Period. Um, but tobacco is new and it fueled colonization. Oh. It, like maize, is very responsible for the colonies being formed. Okay. It's for, also responsible for the introduction of a lot of slave labor. This was all in the early 1500s. Jean Nicot, a French ambassador in Lisbon, sent some to our girl Catherine de Medici, who comes up a lot. Yeah, it's like all the, the time. It's like the third episode. Her name's popped in, and it's funny because the episode we talk about her, like she's not really the the yeah. you know crux or impetus for all of this change, but she shows up a lot yeah, of these these she's spots. Um, <laughs> so he sent her some of the tobacco. She used it for snuff, so she would mm-hmm. sniff it. And her son, who was then the king of France, it cured his sinus problems, which makes zero sense. Zero, but, but yeah, he's like, you know, this is it's amazing. A good ex- it's a good excuse to keep doing it's it. It's a though. good excuse. Yeah. So Jean Nicot took all the credit for this introduction of tobacco. So Jean Nicot is nicotiana, is what they would call the plant. Uh, it's where we get nicotine. Interesting. Yeah. That's a cool little etymology there. Yeah. <laughs> this whole uh, recommended by your doctor thing started pretty much immediately, especially after it cured Catherine's son, you know, his, sure. his sinusitis cured problem. Cured in air quotes. Yeah. There's a Swiss doctor, Conrad Gessner, in 1563. He talked about how great it made you feel. This other Spanish doctor, Nicholas Mondardis, uh, included it in his history of medicinal plants, claiming that tobacco could cure 36 different health problems. It's a lot. Uh, its lore just grew. And grew and grew and grew. And back when there were just 13 colonies, you could use tobacco to pay for your taxes. You could use it to pay for government fines hmm. or even to buy your marriage license. You could just thunk over some tobacco. Oh, all right. And pay for it. It was good for Virginia soil. Previously, it had been too rich for cereal crops. Tobacco depleted the field somehow, helping other crops to perform better, which sounds scientific. Yeah. Let's, I'll, fl- I'll go with it. Yeah. Uh, it grew great. So we had a lot to trade. It turned into a whole currency. There was a standard conversion, actually, from tobacco to gold. Really? Yeah. It was that monetized. All right. Had real value. That's cool. Again, this led to massive amounts of slavery, where tobacco was most commonly grown in South South Virginia, South Carolina, North Mm -hmm. Carolina. In 1609, an English guy, John Rolfe, became the first settler to really successfully farm tobacco. He made a ton of it, and he took his wife back to England with him. Her name was Pocahontas. Mm. Yes. And when she died, he came back to Virginia, to Jamestown, Mm, to continue his tobacco farming. Jamestown became a huge supplier of tobacco, and they are responsible for the first importation of slaves. 
to that colony in dun, 1619. Dun, dun. Yeah. They were responsible for all the slavery and all the tobacco. Which I imagine was inevitable. Let's just, let's just use, that just happened to be, I don't know if I blame tobacco specifically for, right. for you know, it could have been maize, it could have been any decisions, but um, cotton, yeah. crop, anything that was, right. that was hard to farm and tobacco and cotton are very yep. hard to farm. Yep. And if there are people that they could exploit, then they were going to exploit exactly. them. Up until 1883, tobacco accounted for one third of all the money collected by our government. Hmm. All the money they got, all the taxes, everything, all That's the fines, insane. everything was from tobacco. But after the war, slavery turned to sharecropping mm -hmm. and people wanted their tobacco in neat little cigarettes. So people didn't want these big wet lumps of tobacco anymore. James Bosnick invented a cigarette rolling machine, operated 13 times faster than a human roller. So more cigarettes meant more demand. Mm -hmm. The growth just never stopped growing, just like GameStop, man. <laughs> Although, not, don't check today, but keep going. <laughs> and then there's the military. Right. So, you know, the Department of Defense mm -hmm. did a study and 38% of smokers in the military didn't start until they joined the military. Hmm, 38%. That's a lot of smokers. Yeah. During World War One, cigarette companies started to target soldiers. You might get some for free. And the military said, okay, any way that there, you could alleviate some boredom or improve morale, we're going to give it to you. Sure. So there was just this giant influx of cigarettes. You would get these mini packs. So three or four cigarettes hmm. of old gold, Chesterfield, Okay. Lucky strikes or camels. Inter and that and they came in the in the in the K or C rations, right? We it talked would, about yeah. yeah. In World War One, it was more handed out on its own, and okay. then it was introduced to the the C or K rations. And it was cool. They came with these little waterproof matches inside, and you had hmm. these. You know, they would even have advertisements in the states that send some smokes to your soldiers yeah the yeah music, it, they were using it, it as currency it's well. funny you, you you say you say you know so band of brothers brothers it, it, every everyone's smoking and if you if you watch anything anything from you know, uh that's that's set pre 19 let's call it let's call it 75 right mm -hmm. <laughs> it's amazing how much how much smoking is part it becomes a, it's a character in the story yeah. it's you ubiquitous know? it's it, how it, i'm going to yeah. act Right. I think that was a lot of actors used it as a crutch too. Was it's you know Brad Pitt and is chewing. Right. Before whenever he's having trouble, he's always going to be eating something. Interesting. Yeah. No. That it's amazing. Like Mad Men. You do watch Mad Men. Mm -hmm. It's a it's part of the show. It's not just a little ancillary part of the story. It just becomes yeah. a character in itself. And so when you're you know when you're talking about the culture of it and sending it to the troops and sending it, it's it's it you're already smoking everyone in your family's smoking everyone mm -hmm. you know is smoking you're smoking at work you're smoking in public transportation you're smoking everywhere yeah it's just it's just the thing to do it is it it's punctuates crazy. all of the moments well, that's that's part of it yeah it's it did cover up a lot of other really bad smells in some of the bars we would go to. <laughs> so we missed that, but those bars are gone now and who goes out anymore? I mean, yeah. well now, you know, it's funny you, you know, watching, watching, um, 
you almost have the same reaction now during the pandemic watching people smoking on camera as you uh-huh. do being next to each other in the same room it's like what, what are <laughs> it's you just doing? as outrageous <laughs> oh absolutely we were walking behind a woman the other day and she had no mask on she's being really walking really aggressively and being kind of weird uh-huh. you know stranger danger yeah and she's smoking and you can just see these plumes of air of what you assume are diseased, you know, <laughs> lung excrement shooting out across the sidewalk and we're trying to hang back so we don't have to go through her dirt yeah. cloud. Well, the good, the good news is you had a visual reference of what to avoid. You can track them. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's like heat vision and predator, but <laughs> easier. See, now, um, now there's a, there's a, there's an advancement. We need to, we need to, if you're, if you're not going to wear a mask, you got to smoke. Yes, yeah, so we can see. That's, that's a great idea. All these kids come out of school ripping their masks off. So anywho. I'm going to make a campaign. You watch. There had already been evidence that smoking might be bad for you. We know now, obviously, it's really, really bad for you. But the real breakthrough came right after World War II in 1948 by a genius. And dare I say, really sexy sounding guy. You can dare By the say name it. of Richard Dahl. <laughs> <laughs> How appropriate. He's the genius. He's a genius physiologist. And he was the, one of the first people to come out uh, and publish a major study proving that smoking might just be bad for your health. Uh, yeah. In 1954, British doctors study was published. Over 40,000 doctors had spent over 20 years finding a distinct link between smoking and lung cancer. Hmm. A doy. Hmm. Uh, the study kept going till 2001, and, and uh, yeah, they never the findings never changed. Always, Interesting. Well, wow, surprise. Yeah. Same. And did you did, did you, you dig ever, it, did you dig into ancestry to find out if you're related to him? No, I didn't. I should. Do it. Uh, did you ever do candy cigarettes? Yes, when I was when I was growing up, and every adult except for my father, my father never smoked, but every adult I was around in our neighborhood smoked, and and so all the kids wanted the candy cigarettes, but only the ones with with the powder that actually the bubble gum yes that, well that actually made the smoke that actually yeah yeah, made, yeah. yeah. the bubble gum mm-hmm. ones yeah. did because they had right. that little cornstarch on the outside i yes. loved that that was so satisfying it was it was, it was. that gum was trash well, the, everyone, I, I can still taste how awful those things tasted but and the you, chalk ones yeah. the chalky ones with the little red dye at the end uh, yeah but they just yeah but it looked cool and you want it you, looked yeah. yeah you looked so cool man exactly as you know you're <laughs> Eight with a cigarette in your Hanging mouth. out of the corner. <laughs> Pack. So Neko uh, Hershey made chocolate cigarettes mm-hmm. in the 20s. Neko of our Neko wafer fame and World Candy started making these chalky classic cigarettes. They were using real company logos. And the real companies would even go as far as to supply them with artwork. I would imagine. These are well, like free advertising. Free advertising. But these are like some of the most closely guarded trademarks in the world are cigarette brand but yeah they were like okay get it into the hands of the kids as soon as you can Mm -hmm. absolutely and when they started to get some negative press about that then the candy companies would just change a letter and it would be like pal malls or (laughs) maburos but still pretty much the same they're really hard to find now the 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 candy cigarettes with any kind of candy cigarettes yeah i would imagine yeah I would imagine. So North Dakota actually outlawed candy cigarettes in 1953, which I think is wow, that's wise pretty, that's, and progressive. Yeah, for that time especially. <laughs> well, before that, there was another guy who wanted to keep people from smoking. Okay. And his name was Edward Haas. And he is, he's the father of our kitchen god this week. <laughs> the names he's our are kitchen god once removed. 
He's a kitchen godfather. <laughs> so Edward Haas, like the avocado, but not related to the avocado. That was Rudolph Haas. I'm glad I'm sure you reminded you me. I, from I, our avocado I didn't episode. remember his name. I remember the episode. I'll have to, I'll have to be honest with you. <laughs> it's okay. You won't be quizzed. Thank you. He was a great family practice doctor. And a lot of his patients were having a hard time digesting yeast breads. Mm. As I guess one does. He started experimenting and developed a special ratio of baking powder, which seemed to have a really great effect on them. Okay. So he healed all these people and he was making these delicious cakes. Everyone's winning. Hops were new to the area, like hops that we add to beer. Uh-huh. And he was finding new ways to introduce them into food. Uh, they, they were very stomach soothing, he found. He was always game to try things out Okay. and was incredibly well-respected in his community. And he would even go as far as to try things out on himself. Okay. which was why he died. Um, he injected himself with some experimental drug and oh, dropped dead. All right. But he had set in motion this need to help his fellow man, which his children had all seen. His son, Edward II, dropped out of med school because now there was no money to go to med school. Dad died mm. and focused on the uh, the grocery business. So the baking powder that his dad had developed for these Kugelhoff cakes. Okay. Edward focused on that. And what he would do is he would prepackage weighted ingredients. So they kind of live, you know, they didn't live in the city. People going into town would pass through and these farmers would stop. And instead of getting a 50 pound bag of grain, he would sell them like, you know, these convenient one or two pound bags. And everybody really loved him. And he made the shopping experience much more enjoyable for them. It was no piggly wiggly, but they had a nice existence. So then Edward III comes along. In 1897, and Ed would grow up to take over this grocery store, he had dug through his grandfather's recipes, came across the baking powder recipe and ratio, and he starts to manufacture and sell that by itself. Okay. And then even goes as far as to sell the first cake mix. So he prepackages these small amounts of ingredients so that you have enough to make one cake and he would bundle it up and people were just thrilled. of like, I could just go and pick up this one thing and I don't have any leftovers. Was this the first time that was done? Yeah. Excellent. And he's like, this in is Austria. absolutely, yeah, in, in what, Austria. And, and year again? Just catch um, me This up. is in the 1840s. Okay. Or I'm sorry, this is around 1897. Okay. Late okay. 1800s. Got it. Yeah. His mom trademarks a name for the baking powder. They call it Hassan. And it was one of, the, one of the first trademarks in Austria. Okay. Trademarking is new. He was always writing cookbooks and doing promotional materials to get the word out about his baking powder. He opened up factories because the demand became so great for all of this baking powder. Mm. And they would start to make um, pudding powders and other like kind of dessert powders. So he has huh. factories now in Germany, Poland, Czechoslovakia. The Mixes, sweet, sweet. that's cool. It's neat. Yeah. Um, Edward was very anti-smoking. Okay. Just like his father and his grandfather was before him. He thought if I could just develop something, not just for smokers breath, but to help them not to want to smoke. Well, you know, that would be really, really great. So I want to focus on that. So what does Edward do? He pioneers a way to press a peppermint and peppermint oil into these tiny little bricks, little tiny peppermint bricks. I gotcha. Friends and family are gangbusters for it. They love it. He's handing out samples everywhere and people are just like, yes, 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 yes. So these peppermints or pfefferments is how you would say it in German. Okay. Let's just call them Pez because that's what they were. 
They were Pez. I had no idea where you're going with this, but you know, <laughs> there are Pez heads out there that are like, I know who that I is. I know who Pez heads. That's what they so call them. Were the original Pez peppermint flavor and that that's... they were peppermint flavor. Interesting. They were peppermint flavor. And it took three thousand pounds of pressure to make them into those little bricks. Wow. So at first they were round uh-huh. and then he made them into these nice little I love them. They're just a perfect little yeah, shape. These funny little bricks. Peppermints were expensive. It, peppermint oil is still expensive. Okay. And any, uh, all of the chemists were upset that he was selling these as a candy. He's like, no, only, only pharmacists can sell peppermints. What's this guy doing? Huh. And they even took it to parliament in Austria. They're like, this mom cannot be selling the peppermints faster, <laughs> sell only. And parliament was, that's stupid. He was able to wow. sell these neat little Pez tins. And they're like the little mini Altoid tins. Yeah, okay. They're almost exactly like it. Interesting. Very cool. Even the process, that 3,000 pound pressure process uh-huh. is called the Pez processing method. Ooh, all right. Ooh. The demand came as soon as he started handing out samples. Everyone in Germany and Austria was, was crazy for them. And Pez was great because it was a, a word that everyone could pronounce, no mm-hmm. matter where you were yep. in the Any world. Any language, right? Any language. And That's during cool. the days of the Austro-Hungary monarchy, there were 11 languages. So if you were printing any kind of packaging, it had to have all 11 languages. Oh. It was like a giant... Ikea flip book. Yeah, of, I was going to say. Uh, it was Elvish, Oric, Orakai, Nazgul, Ent. And, <laughs> um, so yeah, he wasn't Good into geeky, having yeah. to do this on these tiny yeah. Pez packages. So he just did it in English because the oil came from England. So uh-huh. somehow he got away with just doing all the packaging in, Eng- in English, even though it wasn't even being sold in America yet. All right. Because half of Europe was already learning English and... Yeah. That was good. Pez were sold in these sexy little tins and they were sexy because they had these pinup girls on them. Pretty girls were hired mm. to be Pez girls and they would show up in these smart little kind of monkey soldier outfits. Um, <laughs> and they'd show up at Sounds events hot. and hand out samples. Yeah. So, hey, man. Monkey soldiers. Whatever you're into. Yeah. They'd show up at events and hand out samples just to get people to stop smoking for five minutes. You know, try these Pez and and see if this helps you at all. Uh, World War II stopped everything from working. It stopped production at the factory. Uh, They were either seized by the government or they had no raw materials to produce more Pez. And it wasn't until six years after the war, like 1951, that they were really able to be back up and running and producing these Pez again. They had quite the hiatus over World War II. They started writing on the packs, smoking prohibited, Pezzing allowed. <laughs> I'm just hilarious. That's what are you guys awesome. doing down there? We're pezzing, mom. <laughs> like I never pez. thought of it yeah, as a verb. <laughs> pezzing. Pezzing after a good meal. Mm. Man, nothing like it. Pez only came in peppermint oil. And they were still only in the tins after the war. So, ooh, not hygienic. You ever have a little thing of, t- of Altoids and you're like, offering it to someone and you like see their fingers it's go like, in you're like yeah you keep it how now. many are you yeah touching? it's like sharing chapstick exactly <laughs> you're gonna oh this itches um so before they were back up and running edward hired an industrial designer named oscar uxa to create a dispenser it had to fit in your pocket and mm-hmm. it had to dispense just one at a time and it was patented in 1952 and that's how we have our oh Oh. Our Pez dispenser, they did not come with Miss Piggy on Michelle's the top like this one. Michelle's holding a Miss Piggy Pez dispenser. Or the feet. It was just this tube just and a thing that you would pull back on the top. Got it. That was all. And somebody had the somebody once took a marker and drew eyes on the top of it and were like, oh, 
Just wait. Genius. They were flying out the door by the millions. They had to build new factories to keep up with this, this Pez, all this Pezzing that's going on. The box trademark was raised in letters on it. And it was one of the first blatantly trademarked items. I was out there. Interesting. Some were, some were transparent. Um, they had a gold one that they gave to Jacqueline Kennedy. Hmm. There was a gold version you could get. And they definitely looked like cigarette lighters, Mm -hmm. but that was supposedly not really intentional. Uh, But I think, why not? Why wouldn't they get into it? I would prefer if you intended that. Claim it's intentional, at least. It's very cool. But back then, I mean, Bic lighters didn't come out until the 1970s. Oh, really? Yeah, until much later. It was more of a Zippo generation, and these look nothing like Zippo lighters. That's true. Edward had patents in the U.S., but wasn't really exporting here yet. He hired Curtis Alina to head up his U.S. operations. Curtis spoke German and English. He had grown up next door to Sigmund Freud. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. But you know what? Sometimes a Pez Dispenser is just a Pez Dispenser. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to do with Freud. (laughs) Curtis moved to New York and got to work. He lived in the same building as the founder of Harvey Comics. Interesting. Which would... Rubbing shoulders or either that or everybody was famous back then. I feel, I feel like either there were only 20 people in the right. population of the world. <laughs> and we or, knew them all. Man, it really is who you know. And I think that's a great testament to being more neighborly. In New York especially, I don't know who lives above me. Good. But yeah, so Curtis Curtis knows how to make friends. And uh, what's funny is the Harvey Comics guy was how they would eventually get licensing to put Casper the Friendly Ghost on one of the first Pez dispensers. Oh, oh wow. Kind of funny. That's neither here nor there. We're not at the heads yet on oh, the Pez dispensers. I, I Sorry. Say, take your time, Michelle. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> the only flavors for sale were peppermint, lemon, and chlorophyll mint. What? Not to be confused with chloroform. I was going to say. Which leaves you with a terrible headache and someone else's poop in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, these were not kid products. These were not kid flavors yeah. uh, at all. Americans were not into it. I'm surprised. Surprised. Didn't want to do it. Yeah, so this, they were. They is, were smokers. This is, so this is still centralized in just Austria, or, or is it now spreading throughout um, Europe? All throughout Europe. Okay. Yeah, Poland, Germany, Czechoslovakia. Got it. And Americans were also like, dude, we're smokers. Don't tell us to stop smoking. We're yeah. gonna keep smoking. You don't tell us what to do. You keep your bricks. Viennese guy. Yeah, keep your little mint bricks. In 1955, the marketing department took a radical risk and introduced a dispenser with a Santa head on it. Mm. So they decide, all right, we can't get to the parents who are smoking. Let's shoot for the kids. <laughs> and it's cool. This the <laughs> the first Pez dispensers did not look like these Pez dispensers. They still had the same springy mechanism on the inside, right. but like the Santa one, the head was much, much larger. And there was a really amazing ray gun. Oh. And it would shoot Pez Conjure. out of it. That's cool. Yes. Oh, man. They're incredibly rare, of course. Oh, so it was the Santa and a, a full-bodied robot. So the robot was like, was round all the way from the top to the bottom. Okay. It's kind of it. And I'll put pictures on Instagram so yeah. everyone can see all these different, different Pez dispensers. Um, super cool. But man. They were expensive to make. They, they cost a small fortune. And the candies now are coming out in fruit flavors. Okay. It would cost 25 cents to For get a, a dispenser and two candies. Now, candy bars are just a nickel. Mm. 
So 25 cents is kind of, yeah, it's exorbitant. It's a couple bucks. And it's and, the, and two packs, so two two fills basically, two refills yeah. for the for the dispenser. Yep, the candy was cheap, but the the mechanism was very it was a toy. And they're like, you're buying a toy. That's why it's going to cost more money, sure. and that's why we're going to do it. But it, was, it ended up being just too much money. Following year, brought a the space gun. It's still not not doing great on sales. Um, they cost just too much. In 1957, a witch was introduced. And her name was Michelle Dahl. But they did. They had a witch. They okay. they did a witch head. You know, they're starting to make it a little bit cheaper. So it was just a plastic head. There was no metal involved like the other ones mm-hmm. on the old dispenser. And it was much easier, much faster, much cheaper to make. Okay. And sales went through the roof. The witch. So the witch did it. The witch did it. Mm. Michelle Dalwich. <laughs> so the first licensed character was Popeye Ooh. in 1958. And had spinach and... flavor bricks. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the chlorophyll would make more sense see, then. I guess so, yeah, right. But no. Or the chloroform. Previously, he had advertised um, a lot. He would always, the, the family had always been very savvy with advertising and doing print advertisements, posters. Uh, and it just continued on from there in the 60s they started to advertise on tv shows like romper room do you remember romper I room do. captain kangaroo my favorite so what year did what year did it come to the u.s i came to the u.s in the 50s okay. in 1957 was the witch but in 55 they started the the fruit flavored got it okay pez pezzing and they stopped um, trying to make it a replacement for smoking it was just like shove just, just by the candy down our throats yeah we don't care if you keep smoking. Just buy the candy. Just buy the candy. All right. We know who we are. So the uh, Romper Room, Captain Kangaroo, the Bozo Show, they all featured Pez very heavily. Mm-hmm. There have been more Disney heads than anything else. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's it's really fun just to look on eBay at all of the different Pez heads that there are. There was yeah. a, a very rare donkey for the Democratic Party, one of which was also sent to JFK. So they sent JFK the donkey. Jackie was gold Jackie, one. Jackie got the gold one, and daughter got a clown. Mm. And the Secret Service sent it all back and said, "We cannot accept this. We're sorry." And I assume because it's food, but I'm like, just keep the dispensers. Be, yeah. So it's one of only a few, like three donkeys that have been found. Wow. Yeah. That's it's, interesting. I think just two elephants that have been found. Do you have Do you have in your research, and and I'm I'm 99% sure this is true, but eBay was invented by a, a man whose wife was a Pez collector, and he invented it for her for 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 trading Pez. I did not know that. Really? Yeah. I, That's awesome. If I if I'm making that up, if the if I'll edit one, it out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, don't just have it have it in there that I'm speculating. So these Pez dispensers can be really hard to find. And what some people would do is go back to Austria or nearby where the factories used to be because the factories would have bags of parts that families in the area could come and pick up and then they would take it home and they would assemble the Pez dispensers okay. and bring them back. So every once in a while they would see one that they really wanted to keep and they would just, you know, hang on to it. Been the source of a lot of, a lot of Pez yeah, most of these, most of the rare ones I found today were around a hundred ish bucks, and that's what you look for too when you're looking at Pez dispensers. If it has the little feet on the bottom, uh huh, it's, it's not a, it's rare. not a classic. Mm. Yeah, it's not a classic, and you can't just crack it off. And you know why there's no Han Solo? Because he didn't have anything distinguishing on his head. Huh. Like, okay, you know, Luke. That's why Luke has his his blaster helmet on. Okay, 
and Leia's got her Cinnabons. Yep. Yep. But Han apparently just looked too much like a random dude. So they just didn't. The, do Han. Uh, it's, um, there was a whole Star Trek collection and one of the, uh, uh, one of the tops. Well, you know, but the but those those all, all none of those characters had anything distinguishing. But the the but the faces looked like you can you know maybe who, they got better. They, at, yeah. yeah, yeah. And these well, this was all the the one I saw. I saw. I think I saw a next generation one, and it was you know obviously you could recognize all the characters. And then they had the, and then the the starship the starship Enterprise was the was the topper as as part of the collection. Neat. Very cool. Yeah. They really are. They cater to nerds. Totally. Well, yeah. Hello. Hello. Um, so the donkey uh-huh. now will go for anywhere from $12,500 to $20,000. Wow. But there's only three, you said. Right. That they know yeah. of. But they've got to be, there's got to be more out there. So if they're, if, they're not just so, going to cast the die and get three no, correct. pieces. Yeah. So, but, so, so these, these three have been traded around, you know, and it's 20 grand every time, basically. Yeah, I guess. Wow. And the elephant, the elephant one was never produced. So some of these were made, but then never produced. So like the donkey, they might, they made a handful of them, but it, they never produced it on a large scale, Okay. but they still have the oh. dye for it. Huh. Very cool. So yeah, of course there's a Pez museum of now. Course. Is it in Australia uh, or is it in the U.S.? U.S. Okay. So they make 12 million candies a day that they're selling right now. Pezzy Boy comics had come out in the <laughs> '60s or so, which is this to rival Playboy, little, little like, just like Playboy, yeah, but just like it, but. different. So you could get hats and mustaches, and he was like this little spy kid, okay. and it came with these comic books, and you could have interchangeable little pieces on his face. In the '70s, they did psychedelic dispensers. I'm sorry, in the '60s, okay, they did psychedelic dispensers with so acid. There's this hand <laughs> holding an eyeball. Uh-huh. And that's, and there's a daisy. And, the, and they, these flavors and, were lots of chlorophyll and uh, eucalyptus. Well, it's gonna, it's acid. There's just straight. It was just, just straight, straight up acid. acid. Yeah. There's some bad pets going around, guys. <laughs> um, it never really took off, though. So they are Goodness. rare. Yeah. yeah. They're really big in Japan. They were introduced <laughs> in 1972. Big in Japan. I feel the I feel the song finished playing out. I was gonna say, yeah, thank you for getting that. That's good. (laughs) One third of the kids in Japan in '72 were given a free Pez dispenser. Hmm. They went over there and very aggressively gave out free samples and had these Pez girls all over the all over the place. They would have competitions with little kids to speed load the Pez. (laughs) How fast it could be done. How quickly can you eat all ten candies in this dispenser? Uh, so Roger Boyd, this guy in Orange County, Connecticut, it's kind of funny to think about. We used to, and I assume we still have these captains of industry or these businessmen who go to other countries to say, hey, we can help you set up manufacturing in the United States. For a time, people were opening up factories in the United States. Okay. And this is a guy who would go around and ask people to Bring your companies over here. Edward thought that if they have a company in Connecticut or in the United States, then that that gives them a really good foothold. It will make it less expensive to ship the candies. It'll just make more sense Mm -hmm. to do that. They opened up a factory in 1975 in Orange County, Connecticut. So Edward I was the doctor who killed himself by accident. The doctor. (laughs) Right. Is that really killing himself by accident? 
Right. He, uh, he ingested misadventure. Sure. Death by right. misadventure. Right. Um, Edward the second right. was the one who started the grocery store right. chain and the uh, cakes. And Edward in the late 80s, the in the late 1800s. Yep. And then Edward the third is our, our fruition of all the Pez and anti-smoking sentiment from his, his families. Got it. And okay. he died in 1986. Um, he passed the company to his son, Edward the, the fourth, fourth. Nice. Who was still the managing director for quite a long time. Um, they, he no longer is. It's no longer in the family, but it's still privately owned. And they do not disclose how much money they they make. They don't have to report to anybody. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Good cool. for them. In 2010, Edward III, our Pez guy, was inducted into the Candy Hall of Fame, which is in Tampa, Florida. Of course it is. Which you wouldn't think the Candy Hall of Fame would be somewhere so humid and yeah, hot. Uh, yeah. Everything melts there. We just watched Stand By Me with, uh-huh. with uh, our 11-year-old the other day. And it's great. And it is part of what sent me off on this whole Pez kick, along with the Band of Brothers smoking Palooza. Mm-hmm. Is one of the first things Vern says is, if I could only have one food to eat the rest of my life, that's easy. Pez. Cherry flavor Pez. No question about it. (laughs) (laughs) They were so thrilled with this that Pez distributed these little plastic packets. It was a mini movie poster with that line written on it. Okay. And a Pez dispenser with a little boy's head on it. Uh, That's awesome. (laughs) Like, is it the dead kid? Or is it the fern? (laughs) Whose head is that? It's good marketing though. Gross. Yeah, it was really good marketing. They were, it was, it was that's, cute. I mean, that's, that's the key to that company's success is just, you know, once that, once the witch took off and they realized it's like, okay, we just, yeah. you know, we just got to keep cranking out interesting little characters. I mean, this is from the age of Necco wafers. Necco wafers are nowhere anymore. No. Pez oh, are not, they're disgusting. I like At eating them. I will eat them. Okay, yeah. They taste okay. Yeah. It's a lot like eating cheese. I've never you know, had, maybe... a, I've never had a craving for Pez. Although I will say, when you, I've never, not seen a Pez dispenser and taken one out. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, she, she's torturing me with the. Is, it's empty. Oh, you have one in there. Oh yeah. Oh, she, we went and bought just, this today. She just she just showed me Miss Piggy's severed head and tilted so, it back. So looking at the Pez dispenser at Key Food. <laughs> um. So we had to go to Key Foods to, to get the Pez uh-huh. dispenser, and it was a whole display. It's all licensed products. Yeah. They don't come out with anything original anymore. Right. So much of it is Disney. Right. So there were two Crayola crayons you, that kind of they had five different colors of crayons. They had all sorts of Muppets, hmm. um, which is also Disney now as right. well. In the '90s, they relaunched the mint tins, and I, I hmm. so would love to have had one. They're like these cute little yeah. Pez tins. It didn't last though. People were excited at first, but it had wow. no longevity. Yeah. I'm sure they're com- with Altoids by that point. Now, do they, do they still sell mint flavor? Not in the United States. Okay, I bet they do in Europe. I'd be more interested in eating them. Yeah, I would. I would be. I would totally love that. Yeah, cinnamon would be great. Deer, really Pez. spicy cinnamon. Yeah, Deer Pez. like my atomic fireballs. Mm, how how many do you have left? <sighs> Making a dent. Yeah, can you see? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a. I, I have think a, he's had about have, fifteen. I have a four pound tub of atomic fireballs. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I would say I'd say it's it's uh it's about twenty percent down. Admirable. I'm clocking in about four a day. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. You're gonna leave a little hole in your cheek. Oh my god. Probably. That's how, you, that's how I got my dimple. 
<laughs> um, so those are collector's items. I mean, they're all collector's items now. They have conventions yeah. for these Pez heads. Teaching history. I had no idea that Pez came about as a smoking cessation. Yeah, very, very cool. Very cool. So thanks, Edward. He's our kitchen yeah. god of the week. Thanks, Edward. 3,000 pound. And first, second, and third, and fourth. There you go. Mm-hmm. What flavor is that? Cherry? Grape. Grape. Mm-hmm. How is it? Tastes yeah. purple. <laughs> <laughs> Not really grapey, but they're fun. They're yeah. better than Echo Wafers. True. And they make really cute um, when you're doing gingerbread houses. I love to use them as the cobblestones on the mm. ground. Uh huh. Cool. It's very cute. Or you can even use them as bricks. They make really nice bricks. So yeah, that was Edward. He is our kitchen god of the week. All of the Edwards, I think, can be kind of an umbrella for Austrians. Kitchen gods. Gods. Uh, Don't smoke, kids. Yep, please. And yeah, go have a mint. smoking all pets. Don't have chloroform. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everybody be safe. It's really cold out. It's going to get really cold. So bundle up. Put your headphones in and then uh, listen to some kitchen pods. Thanks, guys, for coming by. We always really appreciate it. And thank you, Ken. Thank you, Michelle. It's good talking to you always. Always. Okay, bye, everybody. <laughs>